I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, oh, I just wish you could follow me around and slap food out of my hand, which I wouldn't do anyway, considering that that takes away someone's autonomy to make decisions for themselves nutritionally. And Mm -hmm. the fact is, is like when you take that away and you put it on somebody else, you're running away from your own success and your own progress. And your own power. I mean, how empowering is it to be able to learn and practice and get better over time at these skills? I mean, any of them, name it, emotional regulation, tracking, food prep, ingredient prep, going to the gym and actually knocking it out of the park on your own, even if you still have a coach, but like doing it and then checking in occasionally, how empowering is that versus, no, you just have to tell me what to do all the time. That doesn't speak of self-confidence or trust. And I know that's like a thing that gets built over time with action steps, but the goal is to not stay there. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Hey, Brooke, how's it going? Hey, it's going well, but I can barely walk up my fucking stairs. So (laughs) (laughs) there's that. Just a little wee bit of overtraining that happened on my leg and shoulder day for my workout. So <laughs> you're incapacitated and I've got a head cold. So we're doing great over here. <laughs> what a way to start the new year. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Happy January. Uh, I mean, I can't complain too much because I mean, I did write my own program. So oh, the consequences of your own actions. Yeah, we're dealing with it right now. We're dealing with <laughs> my own actions. So if you're one of my clients and you're listening to this, like I do it to myself as well. Yeah. So what are we going to be talking about today? Good topic, I think. Yes. So we're going to be talking about how to be coachable, Mm. what what it looks like to be a coachable client, what it looks like to be an uncoachable client. Like, I think it's really important to get that, that boundary set of like, what is expected of coaches and what is expected of clients? Because sometimes like if you haven't worked with a coach before and you're newly working with a coach, it can be, or you're considering working with a coach. Like these are really great qualities to have, to be able to know that you're going to be seeing progress. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these are going to be applicable to even like self-coaching, which is a part of being coachable, right? And Every coaching business, every coaching style is a little bit different, but I mean, the way we do it, we act as a guide, we act as a soundboard, um, a almost a tweaker, but I think that's the wrong word to use. <laughs> Definitely the wrong word to use. <laughs> when something is presented to us, we might like press a little bit and encourage adjustment, maybe a different mindset, different language, different actions. It's not hand-holding. It's not somebody being up your ass 24-7, making sure you're doing all the things. Obviously, we care and we'll check on you, but there's a difference between that internal accountability where you still have to show up and somebody externally going like, hey, how's it going? 
Let's talk about some stuff. Absolutely. And I think when people think of coaching, what I've noticed over the years of coaching is a lot of people have a tendency to want you to hold their hand through the process. And to be Mm -hmm. honest, you got to take off the training wheels sometimes, right? You can start with the training wheels and a little bit more like hands-on in the beginning, but like over time, you should feel confident enough to take off those training wheels and be able to move forward and ride the bike on your own. Yeah. We've said how many times now that a a good coach doesn't necessarily want you to be with them forever. Now, maybe you stay long-term. Like I've been with my one-on-one for, gosh, how long? I don't know. Since the beginning of 2020 now. Nope, not 2020. 2021. That's like a long time. That's a couple of years now. And I love it because I love the way she programs. Like we've gotten to know each other. She knows my body, my trends, like all of that stuff. But point of the matter is if you stay with a coach for a long time because you have a rapport and you like the way they work with you on things versus never being able to take those training wheels off and actually go live your life on your own and become a self-coach, relying on the habits and the resources and the strengths that you've built over time with the guidance of a coach versus always necessarily running to a coach when you have a little hiccup. Yeah. I mean, when you're being coached by a coach, like there is that external accountability, but at the same time, like you have to do the work on the inside. We can give you as many resources as possible, but we can give you the resources. We cannot do the work for you. So I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, oh, I just wish you could follow me around and slap food out of my hand, which I wouldn't do anyway, considering that that takes away someone's autonomy to make decisions for themselves nutritionally. And Mm -hmm. the fact is, is like when you take that away and you put it on somebody else, you're running away from your own success and your own progress. And your own power. I mean, how empowering is it to be able to learn and practice and get better over time at these skills? I mean, any of them, name it, emotional regulation, tracking, food prep, ingredient prep, going to the gym and actually knocking it out of the park on your own, even if you still have a coach, but like doing it and then checking in occasionally, how empowering is that versus No, you just have to tell me what to do all the time. That doesn't speak of self-confidence or trust. And I know that's like a thing that gets built over time with action steps. But the goal is to not stay there. Most definitely. The goal is not to stay there. And some of my most successful clients are the clients that are very, very diligent on making sure that they, number one, ask questions. They're Mm -hmm. asking questions about their program. They're asking questions about nutrition. The other point is drive. These are clients that are very driven. They're clients that really try to pick up on that self-reliance and they're resourceful. If you're messaging your coach and you're asking like how many calories are in a certain food, that's not being resourceful. That's wanting a quick and easy answer. So like the Google machine is real. If you are using a tracking app, you can type into the app, you can type in the search bar what it is that you're trying to search for and find the answer for yourself. Like if you have a if you have a coach and all you're doing is messaging them questions that you can certainly find find out yourself, that's not being resourceful. We need to learn how to be resourceful or instead of asking your coach questions like, "Oh, how do I meal prep?" 
maybe going online and Googling how to start meal prepping. I actually have a blog. I have a blog on my website that's called Meal Prep 101. And if you type in how to meal prep, it does come up. So, and what comes with that is a lot of, like you said earlier, Iris is empowerment. It's empowering to be able to be, to have that self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. The random calorie counts and the recipes, that can be an easy trap for people to fall into of not being resourceful. Just tell me what to eat, tell me what to cook, tell me what to, etc. Now, I'm more than happy to share some resources like Lily Eats and Tells, Fit Men Cook, Skinny Taste. Her diet advice is kind of meh, but the recipes are great. So like I can throw that kind of thing at clients when they need ideas for food and what to cook. But I really, really encourage people to come up with their own meal plans. Like I have a client, I want to shout out Jess real quick because she's really good at this. She creates, yeah, she creates her own meal plans of foods that she's going to rotate through. She has a list of proteins that she likes that she's going to pick from. And then what she does is she branches out into different ways to season those proteins. So even if it's like chicken for a week, it's like lemon butter chicken, garlic whatever chicken, Southwest chicken. So it's different, but it's still a plan individualized to her, right? Because we don't do meal plans. We don't really encourage meal plans, but we encourage people to make their own. And she's really, really good at that. Yes. Shout out, Jess. That is amazing. And that's the thing is like, if you think about it, she's having like five different meals and all she's doing is switching up a condiment. Mm -hmm. Sorry to those of you that are listening, if you're this person that needs a ton of variation, but boring is effective. Boring Mm -hmm. is simple. Like you don't need to create elaborate gourmet meal sensations that Gordon Ramsay would be proud of. That's not what you need to do. Gordon Ramsay is an abusive asshole. Okay. (laughs) I just had to say that. (laughs) Don't be like Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) I don't know if that's his actual personality, but I I cannot. I cannot. (laughs) I digress. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I eat ground chicken and green beans and shredded chicken and switching up the condiments. Like it's easy and it works and it works for me. It works for my family. If it doesn't work for you, you don't have to fucking do that. But you do have to be resourceful. Pinterest is free. Okay. Mm -hmm. Pinterest is free. (laughs) And you can go on and you can type in easy, healthy meals and things will pop up. You could type in like crock pot meals and things will pop up. There there are so many things that you can do to be self-sufficient when it comes to your nutrition. But if you want to be coachable, you have to be open-minded first and foremost. And I know we're talking a lot about nutrition here, but I just want to mention exercise and programming for a few minutes here because it matters. It matters a whole hell of a lot, especially when you have specific goals. Like one of the most common goals we talk about all the time is, you know, wanting to look lean and toned. Well, with that specific goal comes specific exercise that an (laughs) evidence-based educated coach will program for in specific ways, right? The things we talk about all the time. Again, hypertrophy programming in varying rep ranges, taking your muscles to or close to failure, same movements time and time again, repetition, being bored, all of that stuff. And I will say I have not had a one-on-one client yet who's super resistant to this, 
But I will say I've talked to a lot of people online who are super resistant to this idea of switching up their workouts because they're so used to working out in a certain way, despite the fact that, you know, I'm telling them this is not how it works. This is not how you build a body. Cardio is not going to get this for you. Pilates is not going to get this for you. Yoga is not going to get this for you past a certain point when you have a specific goal of being lean and toned. You have to really dial in the training. So when you're working with a coach with this specific goal or anything, right? I mean, if we're talking about a running coach, you have to (laughs) train in specific ways to run a marathon if that's your goal. You have to train in specific ways if your goal is to do a powerlifting meet, if your goal is strength and hypertrophy and all of these kind of overlap. But if your goal is strength and hypertrophy, you have to train in specific ways and you have to be open to that change if and when your coach is like, hey, let's discuss training and how we're going to make some changes here to make it more effective and efficient for your goals. This is super important that I wanted to mention as well. And one of the reasons, you know, going back to shouting out my own one-on-one Ocean Trail, who's been on the podcast before, really great episode. I'll link it in the show notes. One of the reasons I really love her and one of the things I really love it when my clients do is ask questions about their training. Why are we doing this exercise? What muscle are we working? Where are we supposed to feel it? Is my execution right? You know, sending form videos. I, I tell my clients all the time. More videos, the better. Do not feel bad (laughs) that you are pelting me with videos. I want to see it. I want to see you move. I want to make sure we're doing this right because there is a right and a wrong way to train for specific things, not to mention general, you know, joint health and safety. But I ask Ocean questions, you know, why are we doing it this way? Because there's always more to learn, even as a coach, even as a fitness professional. Why are we doing it this way? Why is it in this order? Why are we doing stair stepper before I even start my workout, you know? Because in my mind, first of all, I would not want to do that first. But there's reasons. There is a reason why trainers program things specific ways for specific goals. So be okay with questioning that. And going back to the idea of doing a podcast on red flags, coaches not to hire, (laughs) signs that your coach is probably not a really great one. They get pissy with you when you ask them questions. They're not okay with answering questions. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that about the training because it is a it is an important part and it is an important point about being coachable, right? Be okay with your preconceived notions of what specific exercises are going to do for you or not do for you or do to you. Lifting weights is going to make me bulky. Nuh-uh. Be okay with that being challenged. Being challenged, of course, in a respectful, compassionate way, and being okay with being challenged and being okay with somebody going, well, let's re-examine this and kind of shift the thought processes here. That is a big part, a big part of being coachable. And communication. I think that's the next one we can launch off into is communication with your coach, clear, transparent I tell my people all the time, more more details, the better. More context, the better. Brain dump on me. Tell me what you're thinking. I need to know where your head is at. Communication with your coach is super, super important because we can't help you if we don't know what's going on. Exactly. And we have to know what's going on. We want to know about you. We want to know your habits. We want to know all of this stuff so we can help give you the resources so you can, so you can do this on your own, 100%. Mm-hmm. You said something earlier, too, that I wanted to jump on real quick just for a second is the difference between drive and motivation. One of the traits of being a coachable client is you mentioned they're driven 
they have drive. And one of the intake questions that we ask our clients, both of us, is what's your why? Why are you doing this? Who are you doing this for? What do you hope to get out of this? And that's a really important thing that I think people forget sometimes. And I'll be the first person to tell you, you know, I used to kind of roll my eyes and snort at the whole, find your why, like, what's your why for doing this? But I've learned over the years that like, there's a lot of power in that because that why can also be very empowering and it can also give you something to lean on on the days where you're just not feeling it, like you're not motivated, you're maybe feeling a little frustrated or discouraged. You can go back to why you're doing this and foster that into drive. And I specify the two, the difference between motivation and drive, because I'll use myself as an example. I overall am very driven. I know my why. I know what I want. I know what I have to do. And I'm working for it with great intention and (laughs) relentless persistence. That does not mean that I'm motivated all the time. And that's one of the things we talk about all the time is that motivation The question that won't die. How do you get motivated? How do you stay motivated? Where do you find motivation? How do you keep motivation? You don't. Yeah. You don't. You lean on your why. You remember why you're doing this. And you use that to drive you to do the things in the moments that you don't want to. And that ties into all of this self-coaching and being a coachable person is because you have to keep showing up. I mean, we've mentioned this. Accountability is not somebody being a pain in your ass all the time to make sure you're doing the things, at least not the way we coach. Accountability is occasional check-ins with us most of the time weekly to see what you're doing, to see how you're doing, to see where we can improve, adjust, strategize, and then follow through. But ultimately, it comes down to you, the client, the coachable person, to show up and put in the time and put in the effort and be okay with messing it up and failing, quote unquote failing, and trying again and accepting some of the suggestions that your coach might have. I think another part of being coachable is I'd mentioned being open-minded and I think a lot of people need to learn how to trust their coach. If we recommend something like tracking nutrition or if we mention something like trying a different style of strength training, I think it's It's really important to be open-minded and to listen to what they're telling you. For example, like if you really want to make gains in the gym, let's say your coach suggests pre-logging, pre-logging foods. That is a really great suggestion, number one, because I do it. Number two, because I feel like over time, you're going to get into a habit that is going to work for you and not against you. But if your coach is recommending this and you're like, no, that's not going to work for me. And then on the other hand, you're complaining to your coach because you're on your phone all day entering food, something you got to give and you have to you have to also meet your coach where you're at. Yeah, trust your coach. Trust your coach's expertise. We should do an episode on red flags and finding a coach and signs of a good coach. That would be there's a there's a lot of stinkers out there. <laughs> but if you hire if you hire one of us or anybody on Team BFF or any of our friends, trust the expertise. We have put time into gaining the knowledge. And not only that, but we've been through probably the majority of the same things that you have been through on some level. So it's not only the expertise and knowledge, but it's also experience. I think another part that plays into this is being willing to be introspective, dissect patterns and language that a coach might be calling out. 
one of the things that I say a lot, and I know Coach Amy on BFF, who's been on the pod before, she and I both say quite often, tell me more. Tell me why. Let's dig into this. As I said earlier, more details, more context is always better. So let's dissect this. Let's become aware of these patterns so we can head them off at the pass next time we see them coming. And introspection is super, super important on your own, right? Whether a coach prompts it or not, don't just end the sentence at, I don't know. I don't know. It just always happens. Okay, let's dig into this. Why does it happen? Because there's a reason. There's always a reason. So this is a very, very important piece of both being a good self-coach and being a coachable client. Absolutely. And I think it's just, in a nutshell, being coachable is a really, really good quality for people. Because if you're coachable and you're open-minded, eventually, as Iris had mentioned, you can self-coach yourself. You're not putting yourself in a position where you need a coach forever. And I think that that is super important to understand. I think it's super important to recognize. And I want to make sure that people that I'm working with, that they are going to be moving on from me with a new knowledge, with a new outlook on their lifestyle. I want I want people to move forward and not train forever. Because if you're training forever with the same coach, like you're not, I, I want you to be able to take away a healthy lifestyle. And I want you to be able to take away the ability to know that you're doing this on your own and that you're confident that you can stay, you can become and stay successful for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. I think another one that we should touch on is being okay with trial and error. And this is just a general skill that I think is important. But when a coach asks you to try something or suggests a new thought pattern or a language pattern, be okay with it not clicking immediately. There might be a little bit of time where specific maybe tracking strategies or eating strategies, you know, you just don't get it at first. It doesn't click yet. That's okay. Nothing is a is a one and done flick a light switch and it just immediately clicks from the get-go. I mean, some things are, but very few things are, especially when you've had a lifetime of living a certain way and you're trying to change it. It's okay for it to take time, for it to feel kind of unfamiliar at first. And I think another one I want to mention is not being defensive. Not immediately jumping to being defensive when my little joke uh, listeners of the pod, when when there's a language alert, I go pew, 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 pew. When there's an I am statement that is a roadblock right in front of your face, blocking you off from any change or language that isn't helpful, pew, pew, pew. I'm going to call it out with love. And I think a lot of good coaches do. And so sit with that for a second and see the value in what your coach is saying. It goes, it all ties into like trusting your coach, trusting your their expertise. Absolutely. And I mean, if you don't trust your coach, you need to ask yourself why you're working with that coach. Yeah. And it is possible that the particular coach you have might not be a good fit. I mean, it happens. It's possible. But before you immediately jump to that conclusion, Check the little boxes of being coachable. Have you been communicative? 
Have you been open to change? Have you been open to being gently called out on your language and your habits and your thought processes? Have you put in the effort to kind of explore some of the things your coaches have been telling you? For example, like one of the first things I discuss with new clients is stress management and sleep routine. And shout out to all of my clients who I love very much. They've been very receptive to it. But I mean, I'd be willing to bet somebody out there will be a little resistant to it. So be open to these things. Dig around. See, just see how your life can be better for trying some of the things that your coach is throwing at you without immediately shutting it down. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people are in the market right now to look for a coach because they they have goals that they'd like to reach. Maybe you set a New Year's resolution and you want to really make sure that you're finding your, a good coach. But not only do you need to find a good cl- coach, but you also need to be a good client. I think that that's really important because the more that you and your coach can work together as a team, the more successful you're going to be, the more, the more confident you're going to walk away from that coach eventually at some point. You're, you, you're going to have that instilled confidence. You're going to have so much more to work with than what somebody who's not coachable is going to have. Mm -hmm. I love that you said team because that's something I've I've said is we kind of have a collaborative coaching style. Like as I said at the beginning, we're a guide and a soundboard and like an advisor and we might like redirect you sometimes, but it's a collaboration ultimately, right? You are doing the things and we work together to strategize it's important to be a team. It's important to be collaborative. It's important to have a good, open trust and communication because if you don't, you are not learning to your full potential. You're not going to mm-hmm. walk away with much. And so I have I have seen people who have come to me to be coached after working with other coaches that would tell them what to do, would give them meal plans, would do all of this. And then when they were on their way and they felt like they they got it, they realized after they walk away, oh, fuck, I don't got it. I'm reverting back to old habits and old patterns. That's why like coaching starts with your behavior. That is what I work with with people. That is what Iris works with. It is first and foremost, the physical aspect of coaching is great. The training programs and all of that. The nutrition, it's it's wonderful. It's you're, you're learning how to eat a balanced diet. But if you are not asking questions, if you're not being resourceful, if you how if you're struggling with self-efficacy or like the belief of whether or not you can do it, you need to believe in yourself more than your coach does. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe that you can succeed, you're not fucking going to. Like that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you need to make sure that if you are being coached by someone, that you are also being this coachable client that we have been talking about. Because if not, then you're standing in your own way. Yeah. And you know how you build that self-efficacy and that belief in yourself. And this goes for anybody, whether or not you have a coach. By doing the things, you can start slow, but you have to take action. You have to show up and be accountable to yourself and tick the boxes. That's a phrase I've been using recently. Lean into ticking the boxes of the things that will ultimately get the job done. And over time, you start to teach yourself that you are capable of doing these things. And you get that ball rolling and that momentum just keeps going and going and going. And then you start to believe in yourself that you can do it. And then you start to see results because you're doing it. And it's just this really cool like snowball effect into the rest of your life. Yeah. Being coachable is going to translate into all areas of your life. 
the more you can be open minded and willing to explore other options, it's going to be it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing. Yeah. So I hope this helps you guys, whether or not you have a one-on-one coach. I know that in this economy, it's a little bit of a luxury. But if you've taken the leap, I hope these thoughts help because a coach can only do so much. Like we can do a lot. We can help a lot. But there has to be some give and take there, right? A client has to be open, as Brooke has said, to change and to trying new things and to being open and honest and communicative and reflect internally on some of their things too. We can't just throw all the stuff at you and then you change. Yeah. It's got to be some inside work too. And and it's going to be hard. Like getting a coach doesn't mean the process is going to be easy. It's, it's going to be hard regardless. But here's the deal. Like you can either A, stay where you're at and it's going to be hard because you want to change and you feel that longing to change. And it's going to be hard to be in that position and feel those feelings. Or two, choose a different hard. Get a coach. Utilize their knowledge. Utilize their resources. Become uncomfortable dabbling in something new. And then once you do that, see see what happens. Because it's going to be hard either way. You just have to choose your hard. Mm-hmm. And... A coach can help guide you to make it a little bit less hard. A good coach. A good, (laughs) of course. (laughs) Okay, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Same time, same place. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Dude, that was so good. That really was. <laughs> <laughs>